and welcome to another episode of Block Talk. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe or ever listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. We love a link tree because it's got all the ways you can help support Block Talk. Visit Linktree slash Michael Block Talk to click on the links. We've got a link to Redbubble where you can purchase all of your Block Talk merchandise from t-shirts to mugs to hoodies to totes available in a variety of styles. Another link has all the platforms you can listen to the podcast plus links to PayPal, Venmo, and buy me a coffee should you feel the desire to tip a host. And as always, follow me on Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at MichaelBlockTalk, and on Twitter slash X at BlockTalkNYC for all the latest news, reviews, and interviews. You know my next guest is the man who chats with all your favorite Drag Race girls, the fabulous host of Hey Queen. It's Johnny McGovern. How are you? Hey Queen, I'm good. Thank you for having me, sweetie. I am so excited to have you. I have watched your show for ages, so this is an honor to have you here. Oh, well, a delight. You have excellent taste. Oh, thank you. Now, we're, we love on the podcast when I interview people, uh, we love to start at the beginning and then learn a little bit about you and then get into your illustrious career. So okay. let's start with, where are you from? Um, I'm originally born in Brooklyn, Park Slope, Brooklyn. Um, but I moved out of there when I was eight. And I moved to... Uh, Thailand and I lived there for five years and then when I was 13 I moved to Egypt and I lived there till I graduated high school so I'm an international bitch if you oh, know I love I mean. that <laughs> um what what would you say are some of the biggest difference growing up uh in America and then abroad um I just think like the 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 great thing about growing up overseas was really the ability first of all I went to school with all people from different countries and mm-hmm. different places and different cultures. So that was something that you didn't really necessarily get in public school in Brooklyn. There were some different cultures, obviously, but mm-hmm. the wide variety of, of different backgrounds of people that I grew up with. And then the ability to travel, like, you know, like we would uh, school trips would be like to Brussels or to Africa or to Europe. I mean, and the stuff that I could have never afforded to do if I was living in living in the States. So that, that was probably the coolest part. That's not a terrible uh, field trip to go on anywhere abroad. No, honey. I mean, and the, the glamour of it all. Actually, when I was on, and for my 10th birthday, my parents took me to, I was at the Taj Mahal on, the, on my 10th birthday and rode an elephant into the Taj Mahal uh, on my 10th birthday. And my mother said, "You'll this will be great for cocktail conversation when you're older. Because really <laughs> at 10, what I wanted to do was go to McDonald's and Disneyland for my birthday, you know. But I, I was, she was right. It was, it was worth it. <laughs> Did you have a favorite place that you traveled to? Um... Yeah, I mean, they all were amazing. The really the sad thing was is the thing the places that I loved the most were places where maybe there was a Toys R Us. So I was really upset obsessed with going to Singapore because there was a Toys R Us there. <laughs> but uh, I think like for as a grown up, we got to travel all all of India and 
uh, Nepal. And that was really, really amazing. I love that. Now you came back to the States for college. Yeah. I went back like a, like a true homosexual for acting school, honey. Cause she, she wanted to be a star. Actually, I figured out that you didn't have to take uh, other types of classes. If you went to a conservatory program. So I was like acting school is for me. Um, where did you go to school? I went to Boston University School for the Arts. Little uh, secret. I went to BU as well. Oh, were we I in the have, dorms at the same time? I don't, I don't think so. I actually have a degree in stage management. Oh, well, I mean, what a match. Yeah, it was. You, it, you, you know, were much more sensible. <laughs> I had a great time in Boston. Um it was a really, really great program. And like you said, you don't have to take regular classes. So I joke that I feel like I left the school dumber because uh, I can't do math and I can't spell, but I can do a great Excel spreadsheet. Oh, I bet you can. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, as much as I, I learned a lot in acting school and I certainly developed into the person that I became and the performer I became, but Looking back, was those hundreds of thousands of dollars worth it? Maybe I should have just moved to L.A. and become like a P.A. on set and might have mm -hmm. might have moved things along a little quicker. But you know what? It was what it was. Thank you, mom and dad, for that. So after college, uh, you go to New York and enter the world of queer nightlife and culture. What was that like? Well, when I got to New York, I was pretty much doing the regular actor type thing and auditioning, mm -hmm. looking backstage. And, you know, of course, at the end of acting school, you're supposed to have like your showcase right. where you get discovered by an agent and immediately you get cast in something. Well, that did not happen for me. So I it was like, you know, hit I hit the streets um, and started to just, you know, audition for terrible plays and do things like that. Um, I think I was in a musical, like a, a musical about acid called Drop, um, of course. which was so terrible. But, you know, the thing is about every terrible play that you did, you met somebody interesting or you sort of had an experience that was interesting. And while I was doing that, I started performing. I was really obsessed with like Whoopi Goldberg's one woman show, mm -hmm. Lily Tomlin's one woman show. So what I was doing in that era was create and had done at the end of college was writing one man type shows where I played different characters. So I started performing those characters at open mics all around New York. And that's when I really started to come into my own. And I found the, this open mic down on the Lower East Side called Surf Reality, which was like the coolest, weirdest place. It was like stand-up comics, strippers, fire eaters, uh, leather guys, straight weirdos. Like it was the weirdest collection of people. And there was a guy named Faceboy who had a, a thing called Faceboy's Open Mic, where no matter what, no matter how long it took, every single person that signed up got to perform. Um, so, you know, sometimes the shows would go until two or three in the morning, but those, the people that were doing that really started to discovered me and fostered my talent. And that's where I started to, uh, perform things that eventually led me into doing kind of what I do today. That's where I started performing, um, the character of gay pimp, which, you know, sort of started me off on my mm -hmm. journey into queer culture. 
And it was there that I did a show. We started doing midnight musicals at that theater. And we did a show called The Wrong Fag to Fuck With, which was Gay Pimp versus Eminem. And it was this weird midnight musical um, where Gay Pimp was this fantasy pop star. <laughs> and he battled Eminem at the MTV Video Music Awards. And that actually started to become uh, a hit. I mean, we ended up having lines around the block. We got written up in Out Magazine for that. And... It was thanks to that that I started going to clubs, to the gay clubs around the city and performing. And that's when I really got into sort of put put my toe into nightlife. Did you have any favorite bars or clubs? Yeah, I mean, in the early days, uh, you know, right when I, uh, and disclaimer, I, I don't drink or do drugs anymore, but I really did have a great time doing them back in the day. And I discovered drugs and I started doing the Roxy on Saturday night where you mm -hmm. take ecstasy and you would watch Kevin Aviance perform at like two in the morning. And everyone was like 5,000 shirtless gay guys dancing to like Junior Vasquez and Victor Calderon. And I found all of that extremely uh, actually inspirational. And it started to in inform my the characters that I was doing. So I started doing started taking the characters in my one person shows and placing them in these New York nightlife type situations. And uh, that became the show, a show called dirty stuff, which was really the show that sort of set me off um, in terms of being known in, in New York city. So Roxy Twilo, and of course my old favorite always and forever the cock. I mean, that was, mm -hmm, really, absolutely. That, that was the spot. And, and the cock is still going very strong. Yes, it is. Thank God. $20, <laughs> darling, coming in, beautiful shows. And the cock actually was one of the places that I, I later started to throw parties in New York. And the cock had a sister bar called The Hole. And uh, mm -hmm. I ended up getting asked to co-promote a party with a legendary party promoter named Dean Johnson. And we did a party called Triple X, which ended up becoming this huge sensation uh, it was right after 9-11, so the cops were not trying to sniff out uh, sexual things going on at bars for a, a little while. So this was a party with naked go-go dancers and drag queens and back rooms. And um, it was it was the thing that really brought me into working in nightlife and all of the influences sort of converged now, you mentioned, obviously, Kevin Aviance, a legend. You must have been able to brush shoulders with some people who have really made an impact in the world of uh, queer entertainment. Did you know some of your peers were going to be stars? I mean, the people that I was, uh, the people that I, I got to really connect with were the legends that, uh, you know, some of them are gone now, but people that I was obsessed with from Paris is burning. Like I got to work with Willie Ninja. Mm -hmm. um, I got to meet, uh, of course, Kevin, Kevin Aviance, um, Octavia St. Laurent. I mean, people that I already at that time were obsessed with from watching Paris is burning obsessively. Uh, so I was able to, excuse me. I was able to get with them, meet with them, become friends with them. And all of that, that sort of nightlife influences really can still be felt on, on my work today. You know, um, Hey Queen is 
it has always taken influences from that, like the original format where we had a go-go boy give a lap mm-hmm. dance at the end of the show or a queen snatch the trophy. That's sort of the ballroom influence. And of course, uh, you know, having a drag queen co-host with Lady Red, that was all sort of a tribute to my time in New York nightlife, which I still uh, have a sort of a creative uh, inspiration in everything I do. I love that. All right. So the world of music, you made the big time. Your music went global. What was it like to have your music not even only just reach ears, but reach television shows? Well, it's definitely wild. You know, when I, I started the when those little midnight musicals I told you about, that's where the song Soccer Practice first came from. Mm-hmm. And um Originally, you know, it was it was what it was. It was just a song for a show that I was doing. But I was also obsessed with sort of the teen pop era of Britney and NSYNC at that time. So I would start to go when I would go perform the songs at clubs, I would bring with me, you know, an army of drag queen cheerleaders and soccer boy backup dancers. And uh, eventually those shows became bigger and bigger. And eventually one of the, this Broadway producer named Richard J. Alexander sort of discovered me and said, kid, you're incredible. What do you want to do? And even though this was before YouTube, I was like, well, I want to make a video. I want to make a music video. So we shot this video for soccer practice. Not really, you know, if you shoot a music video today, you know, you'll post it online and, you know, it'll do whatever it does. But at that time, there wasn't really, there was no YouTube. So I don't know what I was thinking was going to happen to it. (laughs) But that that song ended up really becoming uh, a hit in video bars all across America. It got downloaded from my little rinky website like 5 million times and ended up getting... Uh, added to MTV Europe and MTV Asia. And suddenly I had this side career (laughs) as a gay pop star, which I really was not expecting, but which I I truly enjoyed. This might be a Sophie's Choice question here, but do you have a favorite song of yours of all time? Favorite song of all time? Um, Well, yeah, I mean, to perform live, my favorite song, I think, is a song called Don't Fall in Love with a Homo, Mm -hmm. um, which is like a sort of 70s soul ballad. It's called Don't Fall in Love with a Homo, a song for the ladies. Uh, And I that's whenever I when I'm on tour with Dita Von that's the song I'll perform. It's a great song to perform for like a big straight audience because it kind of gags them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's all about like, uh, you know, singing the sweet song to a lady, but then. You know, you want to you sort of let them know, uh, sorry, girl, you got a vagina. Don't want in love with a homo. No, don't do it, lady. No, no, no. I also love my song, The Gayest of All Time. That's kind of a song that I love because it really it, it, it encompasses the love that I have for the queer community and sort of gives that the feeling that I that I have when you're in like a queer space surrounded by queer people of all types. And you're just having that moment together. I feel like that song encompasses, encompasses that. I love that. Now, when I was first discovering who I was as a person, 
I was a huge fan of Saturday Night Live, and then I found a little show called The Big Gay Sketch Show, and oh, you were wow. on it. Uh, yes. You got to perform alongside Weird Barbie herself, Kate McKinnon, Oscar nominee, uh-huh. Domingo. Yes. Tell us about this experience being on the show and why it actually was such an important show at that time. Uh, well, it was it was wild. You know, the of course, it was always my dream to be on a TV show, but I was really wrapped up in nightlife. I was wrapped up in the sort of gay pimp performing uh So it wasn't really necessarily on my radar. And these producers came and found me at one of the parties I was throwing on the Lower East Side and came back inside into the Go Go Boy changing room. And we're like, we're looking for Johnny McGovern. (laughs) I was there like probably smoking a cigarette surrounded by all naked Go Go Boys who were on their break. (laughs) And uh, I was like, yeah, that's me. And they were like, yeah, well, we're, we're doing a, a sketch show produced by Rosie O'Donnell, and we want you to be on it. And it was uh, really wild. Suddenly we were at, you know, in a conference room at Viacom doing improvs with Rosie O'Donnell. Mm. And uh, it was, we ended up doing a, a lot. We didn't shoot a pilot. We did a live show that was sort of a proof of concept. And then they picked up the show and we ended up doing three seasons of it. And, you know, it was the first, though I I don't think you would consider it a hit. Uh, It was a show that was the very first all gay and lesbian cast of a, of a sketch show on television ever. And, you know, now Saturday Night Live has a lot more representation. Of course, one of our Mm -hmm. cast members, Kate McKinnon, got on there and really made big strides with that but at that time like it was really a a straight club that you couldn't get into so the fact that we were able to to do that and have it be on tv and be talking about all gay topics and gay uh gay culture was was pretty revolutionary at the time though it was also on logo which wasn't really a very very widely seen network so it was a it was an interesting time. We would shoot the show for a month and then um, I'd basically be on unemployment for a whole year till we shot another, another season of the show. So it was, it was, it was interesting. It was, it was definitely uh, met great people. Obviously Kate, one of my closest friends, Julie Goldman is on there. Um, Coleman Domingo came on in season two and, uh, Obviously, now he is killing it with getting nominated for Best Actor. We all had a great time, and we were all really close as a cast. But I don't think I think we all thought like the minute it, it aired, we were going to become famous superstars, and that did not quite happen. <laughs> Do you think a show like that could come out today and resonate? Yeah, I think like I think you know, like the weird thing with Big Gay Sketch Show was that it was a strange time for the network because a lot of the stuff that I was interested in pitching for the show was very sort of nightlife based drag um, stuff that I was, you know, that I was interested in. And there was a lot of pushback for that. And that was before RuPaul's drag race had Mm -hmm. really become a hit for the network. So they were kind of in a strange way. It wasn't really leaning in to that type of material, which I think obviously, as we saw, because Drag Race eventually became such a huge smash, might have helped it connect more. Um, But 
uh, I think today, like, you know, there's now there's so now being a being a gay comic was like, you know, there was a handful of us now because of TikTok and social media there there's like so many incredible gay comics who are actually getting seen and heard by people so i think you know it uh it could happen though honey we are our harshest critics it's so, so true it, it would have so to true. be really good <laughs> <laughs> so obviously when it comes to hosting aside from the fabulous hey queen which we will dive into shortly you have stretched your legs hosting Johnny McGovern is gay AF podcast. Go, go for the gold. What is it like tackling the role of host in different mediums? You know what? It comes naturally to me. Um, I think, you know, I started, in, I started podcasting in 2006, sweetie, with a show called gay pimping with Johnny McGovern, which was really a snapshot of my life. At that time, my co-host was my, my writing partner at the time, who was sort of a straight nerd named Martine, and my two best friends who were drag queens named Linda James and Erica Tor. Uh, and we featured in that show all of the weird and wonderful people that were actually part of my world because I was so deep in nightlife at that time. And that was really we were really one of the very first gay podcasts out there. And I mm -hmm. think the first one to crack iTunes top 10 podcasts in that era. Um, yeah. To hosting, I think as a kid, I always wanted, like I dreamed of being like a game show host as cheesy as that mm -hmm. sounds. So I think I've been training for it my whole life and uh, doing the podcast really just sort of set me up for talking to people and sort of wrangling chaos so uh yeah it's come, it's come natural to me and it's a role that you know why did i waste all my time going to acting school and stuff i should have just really moved to la and tried to become a game show host when i was a kid <laughs> like i like i dreamed when i was 12 because i basically ended up doing that with go go for the gold <laughs> do you ever feel you like you have to take a pause um shooting go go for the gold because you're just distracted by the beautiful boys to be honest, after working in nightlife for so long, it's all just wallpaper. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I've had so many dicks in my face over the years that it's more like, oh, yep, that looks good. Yeah, put that up there. Oh, make sure we get a shot of that. The audience is going to enjoy that. It's very all business when it comes Absolutely. to that type of thing. Like, like all my favorite hobbies that I have turned into a business, I no longer I'm like, yeah, I'm more like, this is business. Let's get it together. You know what I mean? Absolutely. All right. We're going to talk Hey Queen right now. Obviously, okay. if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know about Hey Queen. But for those who may not be familiar, give us an elevator pitch of what Hey Queen is. Well, Hey Queen uh, is sort of the the gayest what we used to call it the gayest talk show of all time i mean the the original thought of it is sort of like imagine the original tonight show with johnny carson and ed mcmahon but with mm -hmm. a big hairy gay bear as johnny carson and a beautiful trans drag queen as ed mcmahon and instead of uh hollywood all of hollywood's glittering stars they're the glittering stars of the underground as our guests how did the show begin it started with a much different concept than it really ended up being. I had shot another show with the studio that I work with on it, called, which is uh, Power Media. 
And I shot another YouTube show with them, which had been a hit. And they said, well, what do you want to do next? And I said, oh, maybe I'll do a show called Hey Queen. Because I, whenever I would see my friends in real life, I would say, hey, Queen. And they'd say, hey, Queen. I think my doormat even said, hey, Queen, when you came to my apartment. <laughs> um, and initially I thought, you know, look, I'll do eight episodes and it'll just be me at a table. And it'll be kind of like Charlie Rose. And I'll say, you know, it'll start by me saying, hey, queen. And the guests would say, hey, queen. And then we would have a chat and that would be it. But when I started to think about the concept, the idea of having Lady Red as part of it really pulled the whole thing into the version that came to be. Because I was like, no, if I really have Lady Red there, the two of us have such a great rapport that we can kind of chat at the top. And then we can have a guest and Lady Red can be there on the side having snacks and chiming in and doing what Lady Red does. And that sort of turned it more into that Tonight Show style format. Um, and then, of course, the first two guests were two legends. One was Calpurnia Adams, trans icon and good friend of mine, and RuPaul, who, mm-hmm. who uh, was literally the second episode we ever filmed. So that sort of changed the trajectory of the whole thing because RuPaul was such an incredible guest, so fun, so open. It was a time, a rare time in which I could have, I just sent an email to RuPaul and asked him to be on it. And he said, yeah, sure. Sounds fun. Um, It was, I think this was around season four or five Mm -hmm. of Drag Race. So it was a huge hit. But it hadn't really become the international phenomenon that it it became over the next few years. Absolutely. And then once RuPaul was on the show, you know, all the other girls uh, started calling and asking to be on the show as well. And we've been the 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 growth of Drag Race happened as the show was going on. So we really got to we really got to sort of grow with the show and sort of catch these people who are now like millionaire stars at a very early points in their career where um, they were very honest and very open. And we caught, you know, moments in time with so many incredible talented people, not just from drag race, but also other queer trans and uh, just gay icons in general. And and that's probably what I'm most proud of with Hey Queen is uh the queer stories that we've we've been able to to immortalize in the archive. I love that, and and you as a host, you're you're very nurturing and fun, so you are able to get your guests to open up and spill the tea, share the stories in a in a very natural way. What is the secret to your success? I think, like you know, what I've been through it as a gay mm-hmm. performer i've been through the highs the lows i've been in nightlife i've been told you know you're not going to make it you're not going to do this i've been you know I've, I've been through the ringer and had so many different versions of what i've done that i think i'm very empathetic to a queer person's experience and um i always want i always want to the audience to feel what it's like to be the person that we're talking to. I think one of the benchmark episodes for Hey Queen where was um, 
when we in, we interviewed Laganja Stranja mm-hmm. right after her elimination, and though people probably only know her from how fabulous she is today and the, her amazing appearance as the lip sync assassin on All Stars, but Laganja's early appearance on Drag Race was pretty traumatic, and the audience was pretty cruel to her. Right. Um, and I we had this episode that we called and we we made a whole oprah style promo with like a heartbeat that was like showing flashes of the interview that was like the redemption of laganja stranja and we really <laughs> got into how it felt to be like a 22 year old kid on this national platform thinking you're trying to do your best and suddenly have everybody come for you and that sort of solidified really what we want to do with the show is to give people another look at these people that they sometimes seem just as characters on a TV show, but to give them a deeper look into who these people really are. I love that. How do you prep for a show and what are some of the essential items you need in order to conduct your interview and feel comfortable? Uh, Well, it's a lot of research. I mean, in the beginning, it was just me like the night before, like looking at every single interview someone's ever done, every video, Mm -hmm. every, uh, every clip, trying to find reading all reading deep back into everything I can find about them. Because one of my most favorite things is to have pieces of information that they don't think that you're going to know that make them be like, Oh, you you are paying attention. You didn't just read a press release. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a lot of research now. Luckily, I have help with that, but I, I still I still am very well versed in in what each person is about, their life history, and um, you know what they're especially now with the new version, new season, um, which is all the season sixteen queens from this current season of Drag Race. Um, just knowing as much as I can about them to help really expand that picture that the audience has of them from the show. Do you have any favorite moments from the history of Hey Queen? Definitely. Um, Let's see. Well, of course, RuPaul being on the show at all was truly incredible because RuPaul, like I was obsessed with RuPaul from when I was in high school, from star booty days, the Mm -hmm. early star booty before supermodel of the world. Um, I had a CD that was pressed just for DJs, uh, which was a CD of RuPaul saying like 20 different things meant for radio DJs. Like, hey, DJ, this is RuPaul and you should play my <laughs> record. And I had kept that for years and years. And with RuPaul on the show, I was able to pull that out and play it for him. And that was really funny and fun um there was a time when uh Eureka O'Hara came on the show and she uh had this really emotional moment about how Lady Red had supported her and she wanted to give Lady Red this gift and so she got up from her chair and she went over to sit next to Lady Red but what Eureka didn't realize is that Lady Red's seat was just like a futon mattress on a cardboard box that was not meant for more than one person. So when she sat on it, the whole couch went bloop, and they both went flying. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. There's so, there's so many like really 
fun and wild moments. I mean, you know, just having someone having sometimes the amount of truth that was being told, especially on look at her, we wouldn't mm-hmm. get today because now there's so much blowback and everyone knows that this is going to get played again and again and again. But we got a lot of real true tea and real true opinions from people uh, in those moments. And those really truthful moments are are some of my favorites. Is there a guest you had that surprised you the most? Oh, let's see. I don't know about surprise me the most, but well, the guest that delighted me the most was uh, Jack A. Harry from Two Two Seven. You know, I, I think we're close enough in age that you know who that is. Um, when we did look at her with her, and she gave us the full background key on all the drama that happened on the set of 227 with Marla Gibbs and the lady who mm-hmm. played Rose who leaves out the window. Uh, Jackie said, I said, well, what did you think of the of Rose? And she said, she was a bitch. A horrible <laughs> bitch. We were all like, oh. <laughs> Do you have a dream guest? Um... I don't know. I feel like, you know, I feel like my dream guests are all people that are more special to me than maybe they are of huge interest to the audience. As a teenager, I was really obsessed with the singer Martha Wash, who, um, of course, is the voice of everybody dance now in Black Box and the Weather Girls. And um, she is someone who I've loved since I was a teenager and obsessed with. So and I know she has so many incredible stories. I'd love to sit down with her. And of course, I would love to get Mother RuPaul back on the couch again, honey, but she is jet-setting around the world doing 800 versions of Drag Race, so we can cross our fingers. (laughs) Well, you actually had one of my absolute dream guests to have on. Uh, You got to interview Jake Shears. Yes! Another one where I knew Jake from New York because I was right around there when Scissor Sisters was formed. Mm -hmm. I would see them perform at the cock before they had instruments in the band and they were just playing to tracks. And um, I believe I made love to Jake Shear's ex-boyfriend right after they broke up one time. Oh my. Um, And a much earlier boyfriend than anyone would ever know about. But uh, he was always such a sweet guy. And like, that was another one where I just wrote him an email like, Hey, you want to come on the show? And he was like, yeah. And uh, I actually, you know, someone who's been the same ever since. I actually got to meet him very briefly at the very last drag con in New York. I was there doing press interviews and he just happened to walk by. And I was like, I told my assistant, I was like, I I just have to. And he took a picture with me. And then um, after that, I had to do a lap around the entire Javits Center because I was crying because I met one of my heroes. He's amazing. And it's also extremely rude that he, while I look like a wizened old grandpa bear, he still looks exactly the same as he did <laughs> right? I, back in the day. How dare you? If I could fly to London to see him in Cabaret, I would absolutely do it, but uh, he's amazing. Oh, would be incredible. We're going to play a little game called This or That. I'm going to give you two options. You're going to pick your favorite. Are you ready? Okay, sweetie. Night or day? night drive or fly 
drive. East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Cook or takeout? Cook. Sweet or spicy? Spicy. Cake or pie? Cake. Night in or out clubbing? Uh, Ten years ago, would it be night out clubbing? Now, night in, honey. She's a grandpa. Troy Savon or Kylie Minogue? Troy Savon, sweetie. And finally, this, is, this might be controversial. Ross Matthews or Carson Kressley? Oof. Mm. Well, you know what? Ross has been on Hey Queen while Carson has not, so I'll <gasps> say Ross. All right. Well, let's talk about Drag Race Season 16. What has made this season so special? And do you have any favorite moments thus far? Um, You know what? For me, this is our first season where World of World of Wonder had been a little involved with us through the years, mm-hmm. obviously, because we had so many drag, uh, you know, drag race queens on it that we'd worked with them before. But this is the first year where they are producing the show and we are part of the mothership. So the fact that I'm able to be the first sit down TV interview with the girls for season 16 uh, before really anywhere else is truly a dream come true. And to be working with their Emmy award winning team to Mm -hmm. produce the show is incredible. I mean, there are moments where I'm like, you know, like, uh, can we get the immunity potion, like the exact (laughs) immunity potion and have it as a prop? And they're like, yes, we can. Or can we recreate the egg look that uh, Tsunami News had on the runway? And they're like, (laughs) yes, we can. So it really is incredible to be able to to have that kind of access and to have this kind of upgrade to the show. It's it's really what I I always dreamed of for it. Um, And the season itself, you know, the, the amazing thing about the show is that, like, just when you think it, can't get any bigger it it just does like the the fact that we really have like drag race is one of the only things where some where a group of people will become stars literally overnight like the minute that cast is revealed those people are celebrities and how they handle it how it goes down what they say what they do what is shown on TV, what wasn't shown on TV. That's endlessly fascinating. And uh, I think we're seeing that on this this show. I mean, you look at the different ways that people are going about doing it. I mean, you get Plain Jane, who's giving straight-ahead drama. Um, Safira, who's giving so much, so many huge, incredible costumes that we're like, how the fuck did she pack this? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, right? It, it, it's wild. I mean, and I think... And also, like, I always am amazed at how good the Rusicals are and the music in the Rusicals. And so shout out to Leland and his team for writing that. So brilliant. That song song, that was like, girl, about Mm -hmm. the tea and the shade. I was like, that is a fucking bop. Like, I love that damn song. Yeah, it's it's special because in the recent seasons, I've been able to see friends and colleagues go on the show 
Um, like this season alone, I've had three people who have been recap guests on the podcast before on Drag Race. And it's so, so cool to see my friends live out their dreams. So it's always special to see how the show has evolved and how just trying to get yourself out there, you can get on Drag Race. Yeah, it's really wild that this is the thing. It's like so different than it ever was before um, that, you know, you get on this show. And then also that's the other wild thing. It's like you get on the show and the pressure is so high because it could go so right or it could go so wrong. Yeah. And you just don't know until it plays on TV. That's the other thing that I don't, I don't envy for these girls is that like, you film it and then you just gotta wait a year and then you gotta you gotta keep it a secret and then you have to then you have to see how it's gonna go down and how the audience is gonna like you and or not like you or I mean it's wild. Why do you think Drag Race has become one of the biggest reality shows on the planet? I think it's one of the best made reality shows that there ever has been. They are casting from a queer community that has never been fully given the platform the way that this show has done it. You know, drag has been an enduring art form for years and queer people have been, you know, let's face it, are the most creative people in the world. Uh, you know, all the letters of the LGBTQ are the most creative and enduring talents of the world. We've been behind the scenes and behind so many incredible moments um, or even in front of the scenes, but in the closet. Um, and this is the show where really the spotlight is on the creativity of the queer community. And, you know, it just shows that there's endless amounts of star power um, with than our own people. And I think that's the let's secret. Say, let's say RuPaul calls and says, Johnny, come on down. You get to judge a challenge of Drag Race. What challenge would you want to be there for? Oh, my God. Well, first, I'd have to peel myself off the floor, get the fainting salts to wake myself up from the dream. Um, God, what? I? You know what? I would like to be there for a Lollapalooza. You know what I mean? Oh, I that's, that. that's always my favorite episode. Anytime they ever do the Lollapalooza format, that's my favorite because what I love more than anything is seeing the Queens lip sync and do what they do in the clubs and show us who they are that way. I love those. And so that you'd be getting so much bang for your buck as a judge. You'd get to see so many great performances. That that would be my dream. And let's say we just had Snatch Game. Let's say you had to do Snatch Game. Who would you do for Snatch Game? Oh, who would I do for Snatch Game? Um, well, on Big Ace Jet Show, I played Karl Lagerfeld. So mm -hmm. I might do Karl Lagerfeld, I think. Which I would do, I'd do like fat Karl Lagerfeld with the fan where he used to like cover his body with the fan. Uh -huh. Uh, yeah, I think I'd be a Carl Lagerfeld queen. All right. So we play a game on the podcast called Tea Time, where I have my guests spill some tea on some of their favorite friends, collaborator guests. And if you don't mind, let's play a little round of Tea Time. All right. Turnabout is fair play, sweetie. Yes. Let's start with Kevin Aviance. 
Kevin Aviance. Kevin Aviance is truly my favorite performer I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I've seen him do shows at five in the morning on a box with in front of 5,000 people. I've seen him in tiny bars. He's just really, truly my favorite performer ever. And um, I once produced a cover of Gimme More by Britney Spears for him. Mm-hmm. And when we shot the art for it, he uh, he was like, girl, I was trying to put my jewels on and I couldn't figure out what I was going to wear. So I just shoved my hand down into the jewelry box and I twisted it around, girl. And I came out with this. And it was the most beautiful bracelet of all these different charms that you look like it all came together but it was just him swishing his hand around let's do adam joseph uh adam joseph uh he is truly my he's my go-to man when it comes to music he is one of my best friends um what's some good tea about adam he well, we used to produce like all the early th- songs we produced were from what was at a time in which he was living in the smallest bedroom known to man that had room for a table with a computer and a futon. And so we would just literally me, him and whatever we were performing, who we were producing for would cram into this tiny little room that really could only fit the three of us. And we would produce like Peppermint's very first song, Serving It Up, was written, produced, and done in that room, in this tiny, tiny, tiny little room. And, you know, she still performs it today. Let's talk about Dita Von Tease. Oh, Dita Von Tease. I mean, Dita is truly one of the most glamorous women in the world. I've seen her at every hour of the day because we toured together for God, seven years. Um, she looks as beautiful at fucking five in the morning at the airport as she does on stage. It's extremely rude of her to always be so pretty. Um, she, the, the greatest moment is that look, Dita is the producer of the show and she is uh, conscious of the budget. So sometimes when we were t- touring, the United States and we're hopping from one state to another, we're not always flying a big airline. Sometimes we're flying Southwest or whatever, Mm -hmm. baby, you have never seen glamor take over a Southwest airlines (laughs) check-in area as when Dita Von Tease is there rolling her Louis Vuitton carry-on suitcase into the Southwest area. And everybody's like, who is C? Oh my God. (laughs) Let's hear some tea on the brilliant Jackie Beat. Jackie Beat, you know, Jackie Beat is so funny because she will always, uh, I got to know her much better when I moved here to LA. So about a decade ago, and she was really close friends with my original roommate uh, that I had when I first moved to LA, which is Nadia Ginsburg. Mm -hmm. And Jackie well, we, we'd be booked on a lot of the same shows and Jackie will always be like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. 
I don't want to do this. I'm, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to bomb. This is horrible. I, you know, I, I, I'm, this is awful. I'm not, you know, I shouldn't even do this. Why am I even bothering? I'm going to bomb. And then she'll go on a stage and kill, but she'll do that every time I would see her do a damn show. And I'd be like, Jackie, you know, you're not going to bomb. You're perfect. Let's talk about peppermint. Ooh, peppermint. Talk about somebody who has really just come into their own. Um, when we started doing music with Peppermint, she was uh, just a young girl named Peppermint Gummy Bear. Mm-hmm. That was her full name. And um, we, there was a project we were, me and Adam Joseph were working on called the East Village Mixtape. And we were taking sort of our favorite nightlife stars and, uh, turning them into pop stars we would get them together and we'd be like we'd say okay what are you about what is your favorite thing like we would write these songs for them and we would produce them that night and we would perform them at this club the next week and so the first song we did with her called serving it up really i think became the blueprint blueprint for the type of songs that she did for many years she's now evolved into uh, a lot more deep material but for many years i think that serving it up uh was sort of a the blueprint for the sort of rap and sing and sort of cute um you know era of her music now with letters to my lover and stuff she's gone a lot deeper and she's really become a trans icon mm-hmm. but uh she you know that that early stuff i think we did with her was sort of a blueprint for what she she did a lot of for for many years and she and adam joseph work together still um she loves she loved to get fried chicken from 128th street honey and go home <laughs> she didn't she she would be at the club we always called she didn't drink she didn't do drugs and she would always have a smile. We we always said the look that Peppermint had was, I'm having a wonderful time because no matter what, she was smiling and then she would get her money, she'd get the fuck out of there, get her snack and go home. And finally, of course, the incredible Lady Red. Lady Red, you know, it's it's very bittersweet to be doing this sort of evolution of Hey Queen without her. Um, but, you know, we have so many just so many memories uh, together that, you know, will be with me forever. And, you know, her spirit will be forever part of Hey Queen. Um, I'm trying to think of like, what is <laughs> you Lady Red was just, <laughs> yeah, she Lady Red the reason why Lady Red was such a great part of the show was not because she was the perfect co-host. It was because she was Lady Red no matter what. She was herself at every moment. Um, if that meant she was uninterested, she would do that. If that <laughs> meant she was uh, didn't like the guest, she would let you know through a look. Uh, if she was, uh, we would always make sure to stop and get her her food before the show because that's what kept her sometimes interested. Sometimes <laughs> she would be uh, very tired from a gig the night before and she would fall asleep during the shows. And so I would be later editing the show and have to like fall to edit around the shot of Lady Red being like, <laughs> because she had fallen fucking asleep. 
Um, but that was what was special about her is that she wasn't ever trying to be anyone else. She was just 100% herself. And, uh, you know, that's what made her just so unique and just uh, an unforgettable person. Yeah, I think she'd totally be proud of you and 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 this new generation of Hey Queen. I hope so. What is your go-to karaoke song? You know what, honey? I don't ever sing karaoke. It's so weird. I don't sing because I can never make up my mind on what to <laughs> sing. It's so weird. Like I'm always like, Ugh. and then later I'll think, oh, maybe I should have done that. I so I, I have no good answer for that because. I have not once sung karaoke in the last 20 years. All right. That's fair. You've fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube. What are you watching videos of? Oh, Bigfoot. Oh, interesting. Why Bigfoot? I'm a Bigfoot queen. You know what? I I used to be interested in that type of stuff when I was a kid. And I saw that original film of, you know, the original Bigfoot movie that they shot in the 60s where there's that little clip of them walking across the across the the grove and for some reason during the pandemic i became interested in it again and i went down such a deep dive and was like oh wait i haven't thought about bigfoot in the era of youtube but i bet there's so many more clips now and so i went through a serious bigfoot obsession period where i was very into every sasquatch uh bigfoot fake or real video that there was i love that all right this is a random question but if you had to pick one rupaul's drag race queen to be your partner on the amazing race who would it be one rupaul's drag race queen to be my partner on the amazing race i think I would have to pick I'm going to say Safira Crystal. I feel like she's a I love talented, that. tough, smart queen, really charming, physically fit. Uh I think Safira Crystal and I would uh would would kick it to the top on Amazing Race. And and she's she's a great time. She's the first person to ever give me a weed gummy um at the Rest in Peace Therapy Bar in New York City. Great times with Safira. She's yes. Funny. And also I feel like uh, there's moments with Safira where I do feel like there are echoes of the spirit of Lady Red in some of her mm-hmm. her looks as well as her attitude so i find that probably very comforting so uh that also but she also is a no-nonsense bitch i I think she'd be a great amazing race partner absolutely all right i have a a couple fan corner questions from some of the listeners uh we kind of covered this already but how did you feel when wow approached you to bring the show on to wow presents plus uh thrilled i mean i i i I stalked them a little bit i was at Mm -hmm. a um i was at this emmy Emmy event where the girls from season 15 were performing the rusical for Emmy voters. Mm-hmm. And I saw Randy there and he was like, you know, we should, maybe we should work together. We worked together a little in the past. We should work together again. And I said, you know, we should, we really should. I, I would love to, you know, go come to the mothership. 
And so I made sure to follow up, honey. I figured out how to get that email and I messaged him on Twitter to make sure he got my message. <laughs> and then we were able to go in and meet with them. And, you know, it all started from there. But I uh, that was something I had always wanted. And the timing seemed to just be right. And it was. I have a question from a drag queen in New York City. Her name is Amanda Pork. There was oh. some sexual tension with Megami in her elimination interview. Are you into <laughs> the Megami? I mean, Megami's a cutie pie. You know, I love... Uh, I love, I, I am a through and through big hairy bear. So uh, you got to give love for all the other hairy bears out there, sweetie. We're a hairy, a delightful punch. I actually know Megami from New York. I produced a drag competition called Iconic. Uh, she was our runner up for season two. And our winner for season three was Jax. Oh my gosh. Fabulous. Yeah, we, we had a great, great, great run of people. <laughs> so I have my previous guests ask my current guest a question, and this is a question from New York drag queen Corma Kelly. What is your favorite kind of cheese? Why and why is it Gouda? <laughs> um, my favorite kind of cheese is well, I'm a blue cheese girl. I like I it not that. too stinky. Um, but I'm also a brie queen. I like the waxy skin on the outside that where that gets real Ooh. fatty and delicious. But if I'm making an egg salad sandwich, it's got to be Havarti on top. So that was All a right. three for I one answer. That. Well, now is your turn to ask my next guest a question, and it could literally be about anything you want. Oh. The only catch is you don't know who the next guest is. Okay. The question is, is Bigfoot real? And if so, do you want to see them? I love that. I am here for it. Well, I always love to try to expand the Block Talk community. Who would you like to hear an interview with in the future? Oh, I mean, I feel you should definitely get Kevin Aviance on here, sweetie. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is stories, legends. So may I recommend Sophia Lamar, the legendary? Both of those people have stories uh, for ages. I love that. I'd love to make that happen. Well, now it's your chance to plug yourself. Where can we find you on social media and any projects you want to plug? First and foremost, you got to get your Wow Presents Plus subscription so you can get new episodes of Hey Queen every Mondays. They come out at 3.30 p.m. The Queen gets eliminated on Friday, and their interview is out with us on Monday. So you got to join to check that out. You can follow me on Instagram at Johnny McGovern is your daddy. Um, you can listen to my podcast, Johnny McGovern is Gay AF, for free on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you find podcasts. And if you want to go even deeper with me, where I'm podcasting up to three times a week with all my old homies from my gay pimpin' days, you can join me on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash gayest of all time. Amazing. Well, it was an absolute honor having you come back anytime you want. Thank you, sweetie. It was great to chat with you. 